Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamers official RPG podcast, the first episode of 2019. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. It's a it's a brand new baby smooth year. We're still alive. That's Yay. what I always say when I get to the end of 2018, uh, well, the end of a year. Oh my yeah. god, I made it another year. This is actually kind of a miracle. Yeah, I was actually, I'm wondering how much longer I'm going to last, though, because I ate some bad egg salad, and I just, like, just hate myself in the world right now. Please don't throw up all over the, the microphone, Nadia. I'll try. I okay. can make no promises, but I will definitely try. What did you do over your Christmas or Hanukkah vacation, I guess, or holiday vacation? Oh my god, I, I need to be sensitive here. No, I, I am I am very responsive to all kinds of holidays because as long as I have time off, I you can call it what you want. See, you can call it I, like, in your shoes. I would just take all of the holidays. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I kind of grew up with all the holidays because my mother's family, even though my mom's a convert, like they were still like Irish Catholic, so we kind of had Christmas with them. Oh. So uh, I, you can call it garbage day for all I care. Uh, what I did mostly was um, I played a lot of Red Dead Redemption Two and a lot How of uh, Super Mario Deluxe. How far did I get? I'm actually on chapter three. Chapter three. Wow, you played a whole bunch of it, but you're still like, you're still not that far in the game. No, because I spent a lot of time farting around. Uh, I mean, that's what's the, that's the beauty of Red Dead Redemption too, isn't it? It really is, and I spent like a stupid amount of time looking for a perfect badger pelt. Did you find it? I found the stupid badger pelt, and the first time I found stupid perfect- badger pelts need the most attention. <laughs> Especially since the first time I found a perfect badger pelt, I got so excited. I didn't realize I had like a got a double barrel shotgun or something equipped <laughs> and just blew the thing to hell. <laughs> I was so mad. Oh my god, that's oh I hate that. Oh, <laughs> I've done that before. I was like, oh, I'll just pull out my bam. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh that squirrel evaporated. Oh my gosh, it, it atomized. Atomized. Well, I finally finished an RPG that I have been working on forever over the holiday season. And that was, I think I saw that on Twitter. That was, you tell the audience. It was Witcher 3, Nadia, a game that I started when it came out. And I (laughs) think, I think early 2015, I want to say. Wow. Because, yeah, it definitely came out in early 2015. I got, I I was going to be on the review, but I think I was traveling at the time. So I was not able to do it. Uh, it was for the best because that game was f- enormous. And yes. But I got a copy on my Xbox and like I just kind of noodled my way through it. And then I think it was Christmas 2016 where I got serious about it. Mm-hmm. And since then, like I just periodically returned to it. And I finally, 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 finally finished it. And Nadia, it is so good. Yeah, it's like, and I saw you playing it. I'm like, oh, God, I should start playing that now because we could talk about it on Blood God, kind of maybe do a a Witcher 3 report like we've always been talking about. But I'm like, well, I'm busy with Red Dead Redemption 2 now. That game is so enormous, though. If we were doing a Red, if we were doing a Witcher 3 report, it would take longer than this freaking top 25 RPG countdown is taking. It almost certainly would. Uh, That, it, I mean, going by how long it took for you, it's just, it just seems to be a very, very long and involved RPG. Yes, but it does so many things so well. There's There are these really wonderful through lines uh, throughout mm-hmm. that are resolved really well at the end of the game. You make a lot of really interesting decisions, uh, it, and it resolves perfectly. Like It's a great, great game. I, there aren't many games that resolve its story as well as Witcher 3. And, and it yeah. does something that I think Bioware should take note of, Nadia. Uh-huh. 
and that is it has you get your love interest actually relatively early. Like, oh, that's a good idea. It does not resolve the love, tr- unlike, say, Persona or Bioware or something, the love mm-hmm. storyline is not resolved at the end of the game. Right. The, the love storyline is actually resolved probably kind of around the middle of the game. <laughs> like, you can oh. make... You can make like a key, a couple of key decisions in that regard early on, mm-hmm. and the one that you don't choose, like there's definitely some, I, I want to say tension to it, uh-huh. and it also gives. So you're having to deal with that, and you feel kind of bad, but then also it gives the relationship with the other character more time to just kind of breathe. Right. It works really well, as opposed to, like, oh, I've been with this character all game, now we're in love, and we're having sex, the end. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds like a good idea. It sounds a little more, you know, what the human experience is like, frankly. That's why Mass Effect 2 works so well, because in Mass Effect 1, it ends with you getting into a relationship some- with somebody, probably. Uh-huh. And in Mass Effect 2, when you reunite with that character, especially if you uh, with- were with Liara uh, with Tassoni, mm-hmm. um, you like it changes the r- relationship. You have pre-existing history. Uh, it's when you're doing. It's one of the reasons that the layer of the Shadow Broker DLC is so good, is that you are with this character that probably you have a romantic relationship with, and uh, y- you feel the romantic tension crackling in the atmosphere, <laughs> Nadia. Crackling in the air. Crackling like so much electricity. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, well, I'm not done with Witcher 3. I finished it, but I am not done because I've got both of the expansions still to go. Oh my god, Kat. Uh, you're going to go through them? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm so excited to do so. Uh, there's Hearts of Stone. Right. Uh, Blood and Wine. Which I finally just started. And uh-huh. it begins with you going into the sewers to investigate why this like water is being poisoned. And... Uh, you fight a giant frog. It's it's the Ew. old prince who got turned into a frog story, except it's a right. giant monster frog that's toxic. Oh, cool. Yeah. Poison it's also a pretty frog. hard fight, too. Um, and then it goes from there. And apparently Hearts of Stone is really good. And then Blood and Wine is, quote, a really nice send-off for Witcher 3. And that one, I mm-hmm. think we gave it, like, one of the, we call it one of the best RPGs of, I think, 2016 when it came out? Yeah, I think we did. We actually, we kind of gave it that distinction. Yeah, because Mike reviewed it. Right. And now I'm like, and everybody always says, like, Blood and Wine, amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. it just, it took the story in even better directions. It turned Witcher 3 from, like, a really amazing RPG into, like, a generationally great RPG, so. Right. I mean, we're talking about a game that influenced Breath of the Wild, and for Nintendo to sit up and take notice of a game, especially from a Western developer, it has to be something pretty damn special. It's a game that completely changed uh, multiple franchises and had profound influence on them, including Assassin's Creed. Yeah, absolutely. I do not think that the influence of Witcher can be overstated. But anyway, we may have cause to talk about it some more on the top 25 RPGs of all time. But in the meantime, over on the site, it's the beginning of the year where we've been kind of settling back in. Nadia, you wrote about uh, what we want from Nintendo in 2019. Yes, I did. Um, And I think Nintendo's going to have a very good uh, 2019, but of course there's always room for improvement. I think that Nintendo is going to have an amazing 2019. And I think the biggest surprise of 2018 is uh-huh. how insanely well the Switch did in light of the fact that, really, 
there weren't really that many earth-shattering releases. No, there weren't. I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to to talk over you there, but like even Pokemon Let's Go, which I enjoyed very much, uh, it was more of a cute and fun and solid game than a, whoa, this is mind-blowing game, but it just sold like crazy. If this had been the Wii U, people would have called it like a year of death for the Switch. It would have been (laughs) a couple ports and Pokemon Let's Go and what else came out for the Switch besides, you know, a lot of indie games? Uh, A lot of indie games. A lot of indie games and ports in Pokemon Let's Go, for yeah. the most part. The indie games made a huge difference. I mean, between really Celeste did. and Hollow Knight and just the constant deluge of games on the eShop, I always felt like I had something new to play at any I still time. have, like, a bunch of indie games to finish on the Switch. Like, I have to finish The Messenger. I had to finish Dead Cells. Both are, like, just really excellent games. Uh, and even though, like, Hollow Knight was out already for something like a year before it came on the Switch, and it really got a new injection of life because it was on the Switch. And the fact that it got Fortnite, I think, was... That's huge. That was just gigantic, because yeah. from that point on, it was right there with everybody else. And it got uh, and it got Diablo 3, and it got yes. Warframe, and it got these like major free-to-play service games that are, if you buy a Switch, you just have instantly the huge, uh, extremely in-depth games that everybody loves and are constantly being updated. And they have finally solved the Nintendo drought. Yes, they really have, haven't they? Uh, the way you kind of phrased it with, uh, you know, this would be like a, a, a year of death, quote unquote, for the Wii U because, oh, it has like, you know, a few ports. But it's funny how those ports made such a big difference. Like just Diablo 3 on a Switch, as we have both discussed in the in the past, is just it's just such a great experience. Yeah, I totally agree. And in addition to Hollow Knight, which I've been playing on the Switch, uh, Bayonetta 1 and 2 came out for it. Right. I think Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze came out on it. Yes, that was this year too, and that's also a great game. It, it just felt like there was always something new and interesting to play on the Switch every time I turned it on. So Yeah, honestly, I never had a, a time where I was like, oh, I'm not going to play on the Switch, I get to play the PlayStation 4. If anything, and, there are uh, too many games, as you kind of highlighted in your piece, because it's time for Nintendo to finally frick the, fix the eShop, because a lot of games are getting buried now. We're starting to see the Steam shit pile, as it were. Yeah, and I really, really, really don't want to see the Steam shit pile affect the, uh, the eShop, because there are some wonderful indies on there. And uh, if there's like a, a if they're buried under a deluge, I will be very sad. But yeah, Nintendo has promised. I think they promised last year at GDC that well, we're going to fix this, and they haven't fixed it yet. So, in addition to other games, we have what we want from PlayStation in 2019 as well from Mike. This one, PlayStation is going to be a little weirder. We don't really know what we're going to get from it because Sony kind of threw out put out two gigantic exclusives last year spider-man was one of the biggest games of the year i think it sold uh-huh. twice of what god of war actually sold oh really uh yeah i think it helps that it was part of the hottest bundle of black friday which was the spider-man mm. bundle oh right we could not keep that thing and they, they could not keep that thing in stock because like the second i would write about it for our black friday deals it was gone but the general sense that i get is everybody is prepping for 2019 Definitely. Which is a thing that we'll be talking about in a little bit. I wrote about uh, FIFA 19, which I also have been playing. I was up until 2.30 last night uh, playing uh, FIFA 19, (laughs) Nadia. I I am ashamed. Well, what's to be ashamed of? Uh, Soccer is fun. Soccer is fun. And yet FIFA 19 isn't what I would necessarily call soccer. And if you want to know why, you should uh, go read the article. 
uh, Katie wrote, read a bit about Red Dead fashion and how it's kind of Red Dead Online's only maybe saving grace. And uh, this, this is an interesting thing, Nadia. Uh, mm-hmm. The Undertale developer uh, kind of helped make a new entrance video for Kenny Omega, who <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I guess they really like Final Fantasy. Uh, Kenny Omega, like many, many wrestlers, uh, is a huge uh, JRPG nerd, like just tremendous. Uh, he is a wrestler indeed. He has been with many promotions. Uh, most notably, he's with New Japan Wrestling right now. Uh, as by the time this podcast goes up, though, however, he might be, his, his future's kind of up in the air. Uh, he might be with New Japan Pro Wrestling after this. He might be signed with someone else. WWE wants him. He's very much in demand. But the point is, he's huge into, he's huge into RPGs. His persona in New Japan Wrestling was One Winged Angel. He actually came out dressed as, like, you know, kind of a one-winged angel for his, uh, uh, what might be his last match in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But yes, he has an entrance that was uh, put together by Toby Fox of Undertale. And it's basically, uh, it's like him versus his rival, whose name escapes me right now, um, facing off in, like, that very Undertale sort of hopes and dreams style. It's, uh, It's very, very insular, very nerdy, very, very fun. And although he couldn't use the full video for his intro at the event, he did use like kind of a, a shorter version with a remix of uh, Hopes and Dreams, which is the final boss music for Undertale. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it only makes sense that wrestlers would get really nerdy because wrestling in itself is pretty nerdy because it's basically live action anime, right? Oh, it is very, very much live action anime. I think South Park parried as much uh, in one of their episodes. But uh, yes, it's, um, there's actually, I think I told you this story, uh, there's a, one particular wrestler, Xavier Woods, is what the name he wrestles under, he has his own game show, a video game related show and everything, um, he is, like, probably even a bigger RPG nerd than Kenny Omega, and, uh, I've always wanted to have him on the show, <laughs> and our dear friend Mike was just telling us, oh yeah, I hung out with this guy when I was at, uh, Packs, whatever, and like you know, he he was into RPGs and all this, and I'm like, are you talking about Xavier Woods? And he's like, oh, oh yeah, I think that was Sam. I'm like, you just, he's like, oh yeah, we went to Seven Eleven. I'm like, what do you mean you went to Seven Eleven with Xavier Woods? He's like, oh, you know, it's just, you know, when you're at an event like that, you know, you know, black dudes just kind of gravitate toward each other. And it's like, I, yeah, sure, but <laughs> you didn't know who this guy was, no. So that was pretty funny. Maybe we should have him on the blo- uh, on the podcast. There are a bunch of people I would like to have on the podcast this year. This is my New uh, Year's resolution. Tried, More interesting guests. I have tried guests, to reach Nadia. out. I have tried to reach out to some wrestlers, and uh, who knows? Maybe it'll happen someday. Maybe someday. But go read all of this over on usgamer.net, including the 25 most anticipated games of 2019. Spoiler alert, there's some RPGs on there. Oh, <laughs> you might yeah. be shocked to know. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake is not one of them because it's not coming out this year. (laughs) Yeah, um, I think Final Fantasy VII will certainly hear something about it this year, but uh, I would not put any sort of money down on this sort of thing, even if you are a person who likes losing money at gambling. It's all about the Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, of course, follow us on social media, the underscore catbot, Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. If you enjoyed the podcast, uh, do us a favor leave us a review over on iTunes. We do read the reviews. We love hearing from you. And it does help our visibility with the rankings and such. And we've been doing pretty well lately on the show. And we want to keep just spreading the gospel yes. of the blood god. But 
Okay, Nadia, so we're going to talk this week about the, uh, well, the RPGs that are coming out in 2019. And, you know, I think it's going to be a good year for RPGs. So let's go on to that. So Nadia, last year, last week, last year, I guess. <laughs> uh, same thing, same diff. We kind of looked back on the year that was 2018 and agreed that it was kind of a letdown of a year for RPGs. Uh, we had Dragon Quest XI. Mm-hmm. We had Monster Hunter World. You could argue about whether Monster Hunter World deserves to be in the quote-unquote category of RPG. We had Octopath Traveler, which was a cult favorite in many circles, ultimately did very well because it got that switch bump and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in terms of the heavy hitters, uh, Fallout 76 with a massive letdown. Yeah, a bit of a flop. Among other things. Pokemon Let's Go has been proving kind of divisive with the community. I know that you really liked it. There are a lot of people who are outside of the Pokemon community who love it. But as for the actual community, like they seem to be a little, uh, well, a lot more on the fence about it. But I think 2019 is going to be a lot stronger, Nadia. Yeah, 2019, um, we're going to have a, a pretty good year, I think, because uh, if nothing else, I'm just looking at the, the games that are coming out, and uh, there are some major entries and major franchises, uh, not the least of which, of course, is like, you know, Fire Emblem, Pokemon Gen 8. Yeah. Oh, but we have five questions that we're going to ask about 2019, and they cover some of the biggest games that are coming out this year, and I, I think they're pertinent. So uh, let's let's get started. Question number one, Nadia, and I think this is a big one, because it's going to be, I mean, we're going to be looking at it next month, and that is, will Anthem save Bioware? Um... How do I phrase this in a way that's not really mean? I mean, I don't want to be mean at all. Like, I, I'll be honest with you, I have no, I have no idea one way or the other. But um, I don't know. I really don't know, and I don't mean like, oh, I don't know, in an optimistic way. I mean, I don't know. So I don't think Anthem itself looks especially interested. I'm keep interesting. I'm keeping an open mind about the game that wants to be Destiny five years after Destiny was first released. And yes, mm-hmm. it's been almost five years since Destiny oh my originally God. came out. But on the other hand, there Destiny is kind of like lost its luster. It's going to get a big promotional push. There's nothing else really coming out aside from like Kingdom Hearts 3. And I don't think there's going to be like a, you know, a huge crossover with anthem no probably not and i bioware still enjoys some goodwill with fans and i think people are going to at least want to give it a chance and this is ea's best chance since mass effect andromeda two years ago (laughs) to put their best foot forward and god i hope they do yeah, um, something else I was just thinking of, too, is we're talking about, quote-unquote, saving Bioware, and maybe doesn't really count for much, but didn't the Game Awards have a teaser for the next Dragon Age? They do, but that doesn't mean anything, and here's right. why. If Anthem completely bombs, I mean, EA will just kill Dragon Age and close uh, Bioware. Like oh, They just shoot him and shove him off the cliff, like, that, like in that comic. They are working on a new game until they are not. Right. That is exactly what goes on in this industry. Basically. Which which sucks. It frankly. does. 
But that's uh, them's are the breaks in this industry and at EA in particular. Uh, mm-hmm. After Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, Bioware has to show the goods, and <laughs> that means making Anthem a big hit. I'm yeah, curious to see like how they're going to p- handle this because what's interesting about Anthem is that they seem to be taking a very Star Wars: The Old Republic uh, approach to it. Uh, I don't know if you ever played Star Wars: The Old Republic. I'm guessing you didn't, but no. Uh, so it was an interesting RPG single player type experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you could actually enjoy it by yourself. You could enjoy it with friends. But people who played it were MMORPG fans, and they were paying a subscription, and they were expecting repeatable content, right. raids, you know, the usual stuff that you find in RPGs. And that stuff was very lacking right. in Star Wars: The Old Republic. Because they figured, oh, I mean, we're going to tell an amazing story, and we'll give you some stuff at the end, but we figured that you're going to spend a lot of time. Oh, you're not spending a lot of time. You just <laughs> totally went through the entire game in a weekend somehow. How did you do that? <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. So I'm concerned that Anthem may suffer a similar fate. Yeah, uh, I'm concerned about that too, now that you mention it. That's, uh, that's very... That's very possible, although Final Fantasy XIV is a kind of an MMO that's very story-focused, and you can't go through that in a weekend. You sure can't, but Final Fantasy XIV also still has a, a little bit of a problem with repeatable content and, you know, the additional stuff. It's the kind of game that you finish whatever amazing story content they put out at X amount of time, and then you mm-hmm. put it away for a while. You don't keep playing. And these right. games thrive on... Industry buzzword engagement. Yes, games as a service. Yes, games as a service. And if suddenly the player count drops drastically because everybody's waiting for the next uh, piece of content, well, I got bad news. Uh, <laughs> EA ain't gonna like that. They're no, not they gonna really like aren't. that. Because no, I mean, no. how can you how can you uh, engage and send your data and maybe spend money on cosmetics or something? I don't know if there are microtransactions in this one. That's a good question. Like, That's Destiny 2 had this problem, too. Like, they had a pretty good single-player campaign, and then not much after the main story was complete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, man. What so, age we live in? Anyway, I, I'm skeptical about Anthem, because I look at it, and from an aesthetic point of view, it's kind of boring. It's not very pretty. I don't have any particular feelings about it. I keep forgetting that it's going to happen, including That's in kind of putting together this list. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to Google RPGs of 2019, and then I was like, Anthem, right! right. <laughs> again. We just again. talked about Anthem <laughs> at, uh, at, the, at our meeting when we came back from work. When we came back to work, we talked about Anthem, because I think some I've got, we were talking about who was going to review it. So it was just a couple of days ago, Kat. Yeah, I'm going to be on the review, too. Oh, well, have fun with that. You'll, you'll know for sure one way or the other pretty soon. I guess. Why am I going to be on the review for this? I don't actually want to be on the review for this, but I guess I'm going to be. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think we talked about maybe everyone could be on the review because it's a no. kind of a multiplayer experience. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I imagine that we'll be getting multiple codes so that we can play as much as we want, as we yeah. want, but... We seem to have a problem as a team actually getting online to play with one another because usually we're playing from home and we're in different time zones. And when we're done with work for the day, usually we want to go hang out with our loved ones and not think too much about work. Yeah, there is that. And um, 
Oh, we did play PUBG that uh, uh, that one time. That was actually a lot of fun. I had a blast with that. Uh, that's good streaming content. Maybe we'll do a stream sometime. We really should. But when I was in uh, when I was in London uh, visiting the Eurogamer people, that's the second time I mentioned this. Uh, they were playing a lot of Smash Brothers. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and that that would be we cool. had like seven people at any given time playing Smash, and that was like, yeah. a fixture at the end of the night. Uh, it's a shame that we can't have an office together so that we can do that. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that would. That's a big part of our problem is we don't really have an office. Like I'm here, you're there. Yeah, you're in Toronto. Like, I'm in San Francisco. It's a little harder to play a game together. It's like when I used to be a game pro. I used to play Soul Calibur all the time and get my ass kicked. Because even like uh, with uh, Matt and Katie, there it's not like getting together is all that easy for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, we were all going to play Destiny 2 together, but that never happened. I think, <laughs> Like everything else. I And the other problem is, what will usually happen is one of us will play a game the most, and so we'll get way ahead of everybody else, mm-hmm. which makes it a lot harder for us to just get together and start playing. That's very true. Like Monster Hunter, like I would have loved to have played Monster Hunter with y'all, but I got to the endgame content, and most of you guys didn't even get into the harder level monsters no we were still like kicking around those like you know those little iguana guys the only one the only person who managed to get to where i am is our guides writer Hiran, who's been on this podcast and uh i was like okay i'm saving this battle against the the basil juices so that we can fight together and then we never got around to it but i'm gonna have to do get around to it because there's a huge expansion coming later this year which i'm very excited about yes that's right okay Nadia, let's go on to number question number two. Question number two is, will Kingdom Hearts 3 satisfy long-suffering Kingdom Hearts fans? What do you think, Nadia? Do, what are the odds? If you were Vegas, what would you say the odds were for this? Uh, not very high. I'm not saying it's going to be a, a, a terrible game by any means. It's probably going to be great. But how long have people been waiting for this? Uh, kind of like, remember you remember when Guns N' Roses kept on, like, they were going to put out this album, Chinese Democracy, and... You know, everyone was just waiting and waiting and waiting, delay, 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 and the album finally came out, and everyone was like, oh, this isn't so great. And I listened to the album later, and I said, yeah, you know, it actually had a pretty good album. Uh, but I guess, like, people's expectations are so high, because how long do they wait for? There's no way you can meet those expectations for that amount of time. I, I can already uh, imagine the some, there's going to be some story element that make people mad, yeah. Or yes. the final resolution with uh, Xehanort is going to be like, people are going to be like, what? That doesn't make any friggin' sense. No, it's not going to make any sense. That uh, that much I've already adopted. I also anticipate some kind of crazy-ass shipping war, whether it's like Mickey and Donald or, or like Donald and Sora. <laughs> I don't know, but it's going to be crazy. Roxas and Sora. How does that even work? <laughs> What's the name of the gal? Um, uh, Aqua? Aqua, from, yes. Is that her name? Did I get that right? She's from For Birth some reason, her name's Aqua, yes. I guess she's been Xehanorted, which is, I guess, being possessed or taken over or something like that. I don't know. My knowledge of Kingdom Hearts only goes Katie is, so uh, Katie is our Kingdom Hearts lore master. We'll have her on the show at some point. We're going to be... We're, we'll do a primer on it, but uh, I, I don't know. Um, so here's what I will say in favor of Kingdom Hearts 3. It is very anticipated by a certain segment of the population. Mm-hmm. And unlike Final Fantasy 15, it's going to be a lot more conventional. Yes. 
I mean, it, they basically airlifted this game out of 2006 and dropped it right into 2019. And oh, that's God. fine, actually. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it will give all of the Kingdom Hearts fans exactly what they want. But they don't know what they want because they're kids. Just because you're stupid. <laughs> okay, Roger Myers Jr. Uh, so in that regard, I think people will be picking up and being like, wow, this really brings me back. Hey, Kingdom Hearts. And I, I think the biggest question for me is, can they nail the Disney part? Right, right. I think they have to. I think, as we've discussed in past episodes, they are, Disney's a lot more watchful than they used to be. Yeah, they've de-emphasized, they purposely de-emphasized the Disney aspects because, I mean, they didn't have control over the Disney aspects. And mm-hmm. Disney, once they noticed Kingdom Hearts, got a lot more controlling about uh, the depictions of everything. And every single franchise has a different uh, has a different set of rules. Like Monsters, Inc. has a different set of rules from Toy Story. Right, and of course. some of them are completely nightmarish. Like the way that they can make uh, Sora, Mickey, and or Sora, Sora, Donald, and Goofy look in Monster World is extremely strictly controlled. And but they look crazy. They look nuts. Well, Sora's kind of cute, but Goofy looks terrifying. Goofy looks so strange, but yeah. So and he said that. Uh, what was it? He was working with properties where the original creators weren't really around anymore, so he had a bit mm. more of a free reign. And now he, and with Pixar, he definitely doesn't. Right, right, he exactly. He being Nomura. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's why they haven't been working with Disney as closely. But also because the previous games that have been coming out, like uh, three, uh, 356 by over two days, I can't even remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the, st- the stupid DS game. Uh, the price tag. Dream the Drop price tag Distance game. or Kingdom Hearts uh, Birth by, even Birth by Sleep. They have all been side stories. Yes. Which have yes. been intended to flesh out the universe. And so Disney hasn't had as prominent a role to play. So- yeah. And you can kind of tell because I don't know if you saw the, the latest trailer for the game, but the first half, the whole thing's about, I don't know, three minutes. The first half is just, you know, sort of goofing around Disney characters. I'm like, oh, okay, it looks, looks like a lot of fun. Then you get to the story element, like the the back half with all the, the, the actual characters made for the series. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on anymore. Even with Kingdom Hearts 2, that's when they started to change. Like Kingdom Hearts 1 was much more Disney focused, mm-hmm. uh, even though I had the Final Fantasy cameos. And then by Kingdom Hearts 2, they got a lot more into the weeds with things like Roxas and all of that. So Right. Uh, so, I am not the world's biggest Kingdom Hearts fan. I freely admit that. I always, I've always found it kind of shallow, actually. And I'm not, like, a huge Disney fan, so it's not like, oh my god, I gotta play this game! And yeah, I same. could not care less about the lore. I do not yeah. care about Organization 13. I don't care about the Heartless or the... Uh, or the or variations thereof, or Xehanort, or Aqua being Xehanorted, or Roxas, <laughs> and why do I know all these names? It's uh, yeah, because I, was ask I had to do all mm. the research for all of this. Yeah, it's quite. Uh, but I am excited for Kingdom Hearts three as a general concept. Yeah, I'm. I'll be honest. Like, I'm looking forward to people looking forward to the game. I'm surely <laughs> going to have a good time. 
and it's going to be fun to watch them get excited for a while. And I will say this, um, even though I'm not a fan, like I love the wallpaper that Nomura drew for the game, the box art. Uh, it, it is just gorgeous. I am looking forward to seeing what they do with like the Toy Story stuff. Because they, mm-hmm. they, they're in Toy Story now. It looks like Toy Story. It's actually yeah. rad. Yeah, they've come full circle. They have come full circle. Yeah, was a, that was the thing. With the original Kingdom Hearts, the Disney characters always looked good, but the levels always looked fairly bland, and it always mm-hmm. kind of took me out of the experience. Uh, even if the characters themselves looked okay. But in Kingdom Hearts 3, I mean, I feel like uh, Sora and company have been just dropped straight into these 3D uh, Disney films. Yeah, it looks great. It does look great. All right, question three. Will Elder Scrolls Six be released in 2019? And the answer is no. No, absolutely not. This is in response to Michael Pachter suggesting that because Fallout 76 was a failure, uh, they're going to accelerate the uh, development cycle of Elder Scrolls Six. Uh, that would a game, be... A game yeah. that, as far as I can tell, isn't even... has is like barely starting development yeah just can you imagine like even if there was like even a fraction like a a molecule of beginning to elder scrolls 6 that they could somehow fast track it would be the worst goddamn idea in the universe bethesda will keep on keeping on with fallout 76 and they'll keep uh they have rage 2 and wolfenstein youngblood and doom i think they have doom uh, yeah, they. I think there's another game coming out for that. I don't know if it's this year or if it's DLC. It's DLC, isn't it? No, it's or is, not. No, it's a separate DLC. game. No, it's a separate Wolfenstein game. Wolfenstein Youngblood right. is a standalone, and so is Doom Eternal. But, oh, and, and they'll right. have something else as well. But uh, they'll be yeah, fine. I mean, Fallout, Fallout, and uh, El- Fallout and Elder Scrolls are the uh, they butter Bethesda's bread, and then they also have what was it? Starbound? Was that what it's called? Starbound. Yeah, what it's called? Starfield. Starfield. Starfield, sorry. Starbound is, the, is another game. We'll see Starfield uh, long before we see Elder Scrolls Six. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. anything that Bethesda lost or is losing on Fallout 76, uh, they probably make up with just like Skyrim ports alone. Oh my god. Alright, here's the real question. Will Pokemon Gen 8 cater to the hardcore? Mm, that is um, that is the question, isn't it? Because I could go either way on this one. Um, I feel like I think it will. I think Game Freak is smart, so it will. But um, yeah, because there have been some heavy hints from um, Matsuda uh, that, or Masuda, sorry, not Matsuda, Masuda, who has been saying that he's been kind of heavily hinting that Pokemon Generation Eight, which is coming out this year on the Nintendo Switch, will be Yay. a much more kind of hardcore experience. So. Uh, and the impression that I'm getting is, so I think you mentioned in your, your Nintendo piece, what we expect from Nintendo in 2019 Mm -hmm. is that Pokemon Let's Go Johto is going to be a thing. I don't think it's going to be this year, but I think it'll happen because Pokemon Let's Go was extremely successful and you can just do a whole line of remakes, right? Yeah. Uh, you actually had me remove that part, (laughs) but did I have you remove that part? Yeah. Because it's not coming out this year. Yeah, but what I said originally was, I think an announcement is probably coming. I don't know. I, I don't think an announcement is coming this year, but because that's just not the way that Game Freak usually flies. They they flew a little differently than last year. I think they included the 
don't worry, we're working on Gen 8 to placate anybody who was like, oh my god, Pokemon Let's Go is completely replacing everything. Right, which people say anyway, even though they've said Gen 8's not the same thing, but that's just people for you. Um, But I I think the fact that they made that distinction means that they know how hardcore fans are, and they have every intention of making Gen 8 hardcore. I'm genuinely curious to see how Gen 8 looks on the Switch and how they're going to take advantage of the extra power. Yes, I'm very curious about that too. I'm curious to see how all-in they're going to go with new Pokemon. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see if they're going to introduce yet a new re- another new region. I'm, gonna, I'm curious to see if they're going to go back to another... I'm, gonna, I'm curious to see if they're going to go back to a previous region. I'm curious to see if we're going to get a Diamond and Pearl remake at any point. Oh, yeah, we're due for that, aren't we? We are kind of due for that. I'm curious to see what they do with the battle system and how they continue mm. to change it, because mm-hmm. I don't know at this point. I, I feel like they've made some interesting changes the last couple generations, but stuff like Mega Evolutions and the Mega mega Attacks are a bit much, I think. It's kind of unnecessarily they're, overcomplicated it. Yeah, they're a little more, I think, for flash and bang and fun than actually anything serious. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, I think that they feel pressure to introduce some new uh, mechanic each generation. Mm-hmm, and, definitely. you know, Gen 3, they introduce traits and personalities and uh, completely revamped the EVs. In Gen 4, they redid the way that attacks work while introducing a host of new moves. Uh, Gen 5, they continued to... Uh, iterate on it gen 6 i think we got uh, mega evolutions and yeah at a certain point you start to run out of ideas a little bit (laughs) (laughs) yeah just a bit Uh, i think pokemon has more than enough ideas and more than enough pokemon to work with and while while i do expect there will be some new ones i mean we already know meltan's probably going to be in gen 8 um i feel like if they just want to polish what we have and really work on that more of that hardcore gameplay I'm okay with that. I'm still waiting for the Pokemon that lets me go to every region. Yeah, you know what? I was just about to say, I would if they gave me for Gen 8 like a chance to go back to every region, I'd, I'd sign me up. I'd be right there. And I want them to bring back uh, player housing. Yes, yes. I had a, um, when I played, uh, you're talking about like what they had in uh, Pokemon uh, uh, Ruby and Sapphire, right? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, that's yeah I had a treehouse. Yeah, I had a treehouse named it like Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria or something in uh in uh Omega and uh Omega Ruby and uh Alpha Sapphire. Bring back the damn Battle Frontier, man. <laughs> Please bring back Battle Frontier so Cat will be able to sleep again at night. Ah, uh, they're so bad about post game content. They really are. That needs to be their number one priority for making the game. If they really are more interested in making it hardcore, that is the number one thing they have to do. Uh the master I mean, and when uh, I say post game content, I mean like solo stuff. Stuff that yeah. I can solo. Stuff yes, that absolutely. isn't completely reliant on the battling uh, mechanics. And I know that Pokemon is, a by its very nature, a cooperative game that you're playing with your friends. That is, like, the heart and soul of Pokemon. But I want solo content. That's what I want. No, I agree with you, especially since... Um, and one thing I think Game Freak is realizing uh, quite... Uh, quite well is that we a part of his fan base us included it, getting older we don't have time to go online and you know as you say get really crazy good at battling other people who are all like whippersnappers who can probably ice us in a second 
So yes, we want to kind of stick to this like this more meaty single player experience. All right, question four. Will Persona 5 make it to Switch this year? I say yes, absolutely. I think that there is a preponderance of evidence that suggests that yes, Persona 5 is coming to Switch and that That's we will a holy hear about it very soon. Preponderance. Yes. Well, I, I mean, like if you look at it, so just recently Atlas announced and teased something called Persona 5. 5R. We don't know right. what that is. Uh, we've no. heard Persona 5 Reloaded be- be- before. Yes. So the Persona 5R kind of tracks with that. Yeah. And they said multiple projects, or they were suggesting multiple projects. So, okay, if there are multiple projects, then probably we could be getting a fighting game. Mm-hmm. And that includes Persona 5 uh, from the folks who made uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Oh, we could be, be so amazing. getting a Switch port, and we could be getting an enhanced update for PS4 and Xbox One, hopefully as DLC rather than a full new game. <laughs> would you say? Would you say that maybe uh, if there is a Switch up, uh, Switch upgrade for Persona Five, like, uh, yeah, I, guess, I'm, I mean, obviously they can't have a, they can't have it on uh, like since it's never been on the Switch, they can't exactly put it on a DLC, but uh, do you really think they'd just give us DLC for the upgrade instead of like selling it as a separate thing on the PS4? Yes, uh, I do, mm. actually. I think that they would do the following. Release it as a updated expansion. Uh-huh. Uh, the new content, sort of like the answer in Persona 3, which you never saw, but it was no, a big right. thing in Persona 3 Fez. Right. They will release a version. Uh, they will release an updated version of the game that includes the new content and a new box or whatever, maybe some extra content. Um, and they will release. And they will also release it for Switch. Yes. Okay. I can see that being the case. And here, here's me, the moron. I would uh, buy the game, whole new game, on the Switch just to play it on the Switch, even though I have it on PS4 and I could easily download any content of that. Is that that's what happens? That's why I played Witcher 3 over the holiday instead of Persona 5, mm-hmm. because as soon as I heard that Switch uh, was a distinct possibility this year, I just stopped because I was like, oh, no, I, I want to play on Switch. I'm not going to get any further. No, I don't blame you, especially with the uh, Joker for Smash happening very soon. Yeah, oh, I'm I so have, excited. I'm so excited about that. And I have like, there's just, I, I would be a lot more surprised if it didn't happen than if it did. What do you think about uh, the Dragon Quest character, or the Dragon Quest hero, Erdrick? Is it Erdrick? Not Erdrick. To the <laughs> Dragon Quest depends. hero maybe making it over to Smash as well? Uh, let's see. It's Erdrick in the localization, and it's Loto in uh, in Japan. But um, I, as much as I would love that, just because I'm such a Dragon Quest nerd, it's like, okay, how many sword fighters do we need in Smash? More swords. Always more swords. More swords. No, but it would be kind of fun. He's like a heroic figure, like a knight. I, I think he could be fun. He would be a, a hell of a lot of fun, because here's the thing about me and Smash. I love sword fighters, and I know they dominate the whole bloody experience, but I, I main Link, I main Ike, I main... I'm really good at, with Lucina, with Krom. I'm ridiculous. Roy, as well. So I, w- I would totally main Erdrick slash Loto. Of course you would, because it's your favorite yes. game. Just like, I'll oh, main jo- just like I'll main Joker as soon as he comes to uh, Smash Brothers. I'm definitely going to try to main him as well. It sounds like there's going to be a new character from like a different series, and it's going to be basically used to promote whatever's coming on Switch. So I wouldn't be surprised if we got a, a Dragon Quest uh, Switch announcement from North America sooner rather than later. Yeah, I actually, I think by the time we're on vacation, 
uh, there was a, a piece of news that came out saying that we will hear something about Dragon Quest on Switch uh, quite soon. Yes. So, okay. Question number five: Will Outer Worlds, the new, uh, I mean, sort of open world game, maybe not open world game from Obsidian, be the biggest RPG of 2018? Uh, I don't know at this point. You would probably have be a little more qualified to answer that than I would, but it seems quite ambitious, which to me can go either really cool or very wrong. I think that there will be a lot of hype, especially if... So they've put their best foot forward to start. They're benefiting from Bethesda having trouble right now. Yes. They're benefiting from the fact that there will be no Elder Scrolls Six this year. Yes. And there will be a ton of goodwill going into it, at which point they will play it and remember that, hey, it's an Obsidian game, and Obsidian games are buggy. <laughs> well, so are Bethesda games, but yeah. So, uh, we'll see, I guess. I mean, it's pretty early, but I think that it's... So, before the beginning of every season in sports, they always had the Vegas odds-on favorites uh, to be the champion. Uh-huh. And I would say Outer Worlds is 5-1 to one odds to be the best RPG of 2019. But uh, I could not, also... I'm not much of a gambler. Is that good? Yes. Okay. And I also could see... Pokemon though, giving it a, a big challenge. I, I don't Ooh. think I don't think Kingdom Hearts 3 is gonna be like, yo, it's amazing. It's blowing the doors off everything. I, I think it's gonna be very much a game that comes and goes. I think there will be a lot of interest to when it comes out, like their curiosity, people will be talking about yes. it. But I think it'll yeah, disappear but, uh, just as quickly. I think Kingdom Hearts, as much as it will absolutely make uh, its, its splash and its buzz when it comes in, I think also its reputation as being a really lower-dense game that nobody knows what the hell is going on will precede it. So it's, I, I can see a lot of people hesitating to jump into uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 with 3, whereas, like, for example, I, I had no trouble convincing myself, okay, I'm going to jump into Elder Scrolls with 5, I'm going to jump into RDR with 2. I, I'm going the other direction. I think that Kingdom Hearts 3 will go will reach the mainstream in a way that even Final Fantasy can't, because simply because of Disney. Mm, that's a good point as well. And just how good it looks like as a Disney slash Square game, that's I think you're right, that has a has some pull in that regard too. We're so embedded in the kind of nerd community that we can often forget that what people are saying in the nerd community is not being held, heard in the population at large. They no, will probably true. see commercials for a game that looks like Toy Story, and you can play it. <laughs> and also Big Hero 6 is there, and Wreck-It Ralph, and, and Wreck-It Ralph, yeah. all of your Disney favorites, and Frozen. Oh, oh cool. Frozen's a big oh, one. People will buy the hell out of that. No, you're absolutely right. Although they'll play it, I mean, what the hell is this, but... Uh... Well, then again, Final Fantasy VII broke in, and I had a seven tacked into the end of it. Sure did. Okay, Nadia, looking at the rest of the games, that uh, the rest of RPGs that are coming out this year, there are a bunch of them. Uh, so the one that I'm most excited for, aside from the biggest ones, is definitely Fire Emblem Three Houses mm-hmm. uh, on Switch. I I cannot wait to play that. I actually re-downloaded Fire Emblem Heroes. Really? Uh, yeah. Why would you do that? Nadia, uh, I'm, a, I'm a moron. Get away. Uh, Run. <laughs> what's funny is that I was saying on Twitter about how I opted for the low uh, install because I don't have much much uh, room on my phone, and so it really cuts the audio quality. Like, have you ever seen the victory quote in the original Street Fighter where, like, what strength? But don't forget, guys, like, you are all over the world. And 
it just you can barely hear it because it's so muffled. It's like that. So Crom sounds like the Street Fighter announcer. But uh, I, I just kind of remember how much fun Fire Emblem Heroes can be. So I, I went ahead and, and downloaded that. Awesome. Uh, deleted immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but Crom can ride with a Santa suit on. Oh, God. No, that's how they get you. I know. God. This is what I'll say about Fire Emblem Heroes. I spent $40 over the holidays trying to get the legendary Azura, and I finally got her. Oh, at least you got her. Congratulations. You didn't spend, like, $10,000 or something. I definitely did not spend $10,000 on that stupid game. (laughs) I did spend $40 on one character, though. She's really powerful, too. Like, insanely powerful. Stupidly powerful. Oh, that's what counts. Uh... But I will say this for Fire Emblem Heroes. It does give you a lot of content. It does. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do in that game. I I think people forget because most of the people who are talking are people who've played it for God knows how many hours like me and have done basically everything. But if you're just starting out, they give you a lot of free stuff to begin with to get you hooked. And then there's a ridiculous amount of content that you can go through. And a lot of opportunities to earn orbs, actually. Yes. There and are, then cause... there are the rotating um, collection of heroes that keep coming in and uh, many good opportunities to spend your orbs and get them. And I think they kind of weight it so that if you're a new, a relatively new player with fairly a fair with few gold star characters, they're going to give you kind of a pity bonus, an extra pity <laughs> bonus. <laughs> yes, they do. I can confirm that. Um... I have been downloading some heroes because uh, they give you, uh, there's like an event going on where they give you free tickets. And yep. uh, I've downloaded a couple of, actually a few Gold Star heroes. Yeah, so uh, my my tip for you, Nadia, is as you are building out your roster, wait mm-hmm. for the legendary hero events. I think one oh. is still going on right now. You'll recognize it because there will be one hero uh, that kind of headlines it. Right. And then lots, tons of other heroes behind them. Right. <laughs> and the other guys. And if you don't have a lot of heroes, that's a great opportunity to just go in and get as many heroes as you can. Yeah. So the legendary hero event is continuing for another three days. And there are a lot of hero, a lot of opportunities to get gold star heroes. And it can be really frustrating if you're trying to snipe a hero like I am. Because I was... Uh-huh. I was trying to get a specific hero, and I was just having the worst time. But if you're just going around the circle over and over and over again, you're, you're going to get a ton of heroes. Because it yeah, goes definitely. up to like 11% chance to be able to get a hero in that game. So I like those odds. God, why am I talking about Fire Emblem heroes? What have you done to me? <laughs> I'm looking forward to Fire Emblem Three Houses, which will be a real game. By the way, Fire Emblem Heroes has beast units soon, Nadia. Yes, and that's might have been, actually, you know what, that's part of the reason I... I uh, signed up because i really want to play as a togwell okay you furry um <laughs> i'm not a furry i just like anthropomorphic animals there's a difference there's um a totally different. so other rpgs of note uh do you consider shenmue 3 an rpg uh, i don't know uh sure let's let's say yes <laughs> shenmue fans are nasty by the way <laughs> i think i said something uh I, I said something that suggested that i wasn't a big shenmue fan and somebody uh, on Reddit was just like, I'm never going to listen to anything this woman says ever again because she dislikes uh, Shenmue. Oh, uh, there was um, Jim Sterling got in a lot of trouble for basically blasting Shenmue. And even though he's, he has the most accurate description of the audio, which is, it's like it's recorded over your dad's old Eurythmics tape. <laughs> and I die now. 
that on the floor because it's so true. The Shinmu he got, Mafia like, is, gonna, is out there, and they're going to get us when we give Shinmu 3 a bad review. Don't turn your back, cat. I want to believe in Shenmue 3. I want it to be good. I never played the first two, so I don't know. And it's not exactly the same as Yakuza. It's more of a lifestyle simulator. If anything, games have caught up to Shenmue finally. Yeah, so, I mean, I respect Shenmue for what it's done for for open world games and forklifts, but I'm just not a fan. Here's the funny thing. Red Dead Redemption 2 basically did everything that Shenmue, like, once did with all of the, like, really granular activities that you can do. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Stuff like... Very carefully shaving your beard, going mm-hmm. into the bath, taking a bath for a long time for some reason. Like, all of the unnecessary detail, which used to define Shenmue. Slowly skinning your animal, slowly cleaning your gun. Very slowly cleaning your Very gun. slowly. I like cleaning my gun. That's awesome. It's, uh, I don't know a thing about guns. I just know they go shooty, shooty, bang. So I'm like, uh, there's a guy after me. I'll, I'll use this one. It's a... Uh, it's got two barrels. I'm sure it's good. So I don't really care about well, cleaning guns, even though I know I have the to. Coming revolution, Nadia. <laughs> That's true. All right, and the last one that I'm really kind of keeping my eyes on, uh, in- Indivisible, which is basically yes. a Valkyrie profile, but it's an indie game. Yes, definitely looking forward to that one. That was the one. Uh, it was supposed to come out last year, but I think they had to delay it to this year, didn't they? Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, it got delayed. So. I, I want Grifflands to be a thing, and we haven't heard anything since it was announced at E3 2017. That is the that is the game that was confirmed by Clay Entertainment, and Clay Entertainment claims they are still working on it, and it has not been canceled, so... I hope not. It looked really interesting. They said, whenever we make a game, we set out to create a new experience. That means that scheduling a new game is really hard, because we're mm-hmm. not sure when it'll all work out. Sometimes it works out pretty quickly. Other times it takes a lot of back and forth and reworking uh, for the first couple of years of development. Um, the time, This time we jumped the gun on announcing it because we thought we were further along than we were. After testing mm. it out in-house, though, we felt the game just wasn't delivering the experience we wanted, so we went back to work. We've been quietly working on it since. We didn't want to give another date until we were confident, but I agree we should have kept people here more in the loop. Sorry about that. Game is much further along now, but we're still a ways from announcing a new date. So probably 2020. But I I have the utmost faith that Clay Entertainment is going to produce an amazing game because all of their games are great. Yeah, they really are. And um, I respect the fact that given we're such a a hype-driven culture now and that they're taking this time to to step back and say, hey, we'll... We'll have something for you when we're ready. Uh, I really appreciate that. That takes a lot of guts. All right, Nadia, any final thoughts on the RPGs we're looking forward to in 2019? I have like kind of a rogue thought that I w- I'm uh, kind of thinking of right now. I really, really hope that uh, M2 gives us more uh, ports of the Fantasy Star series because I'm actually playing their port of Fantasy Star, the original one, for the Switch, and it is really, really good. Tell me really quickly, like, in 500 words or less, <laughs> why why it is ever so good. Uh, basically, of course, Fantasy Star is a Master System RPG, so first of all, is one that a lot of us in the North in North America did not get to play. Uh, and it was very much ahead of its time, both in terms of theme and in gameplay. And But it, even still, it was still uh, a product of its time with, like, a lot of random encounters, a lot of slow battles, um, very hard to grind. So M2 took a lot of the more dismal elements of Fantasy Star and just, you know, for example, you earn more experience, you earn more 
uh, money after fights. And if, when you're in the sort of first-person underground dungeons, they map them out automatically for you. Uh, they just do a lot of things to make the experience so that you can enjoy the best parts of the game without, like, you know, having the rest of it hassle you. And I just love to see... Uh, I, I love Fantasy Star. I love the setting. I love the characters. I think it's really interesting, especially, like, for the time that it was developed when everyone was all, like, swords and sorceries and dragons. So I'd really like to see 2, 3, and especially 4 done in the same way. Yes, and as you'll recall correctly, uh, Fantasy Star 4 is on our top 25 RPG list. Yes, and that is one I have played, and I really enjoyed it for a lot of the reasons I enjoyed Fantasy Star, because it's uh, a sci-fi RPG versus a, a fantasy RPG, even though it does have fantasy elements, like giant talking cats. I will give Sega this. They really do justice to their library uh, in a way mm-hmm. that Nintendo simply doesn't, and it kind of annoys the hell out of me, actually. Like uh, Fantasy Star, for example? Yeah, I mean, their Sega Ages games are often really good. Oh, uh, see, oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. See that, uh, or when they did the Sega 3D classics. Like, Nintendo did uh, four games, and one of them was uh, a crappy beat-em-up. The other was, like, Kirby's Adventure, which is amazing. But they didn't even mm-hmm. do Mario in 3D, which I would have loved to have had that on the 3DS. And... Meanwhile, Sega's putting out like Afterburner and Streets of Rage 2 and Sonic 2, yes. and you're just like, wow, okay, yeah, good good on ya, uh, Sega, yeah. good on ya. I uh, agree, and more of that. As for me, when I look ahead to this year in video games, I am not as worried as I once was about whether it will ultimately be barren, because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh man, all the, ga- all the big games aren't coming out until next year. Like, Cyberpunk, I don't think is coming out until next year at the very Probably earliest. Not. Um which is too bad, because I really want to play Cyberpunk, especially after Witcher 3. Uh, but I, if there was one thing that I realized as I was putting together my best games list of last year, which mm-hmm. is that in January, I never really know how things are going to play out. Like, I have some right. ideas, but things get announced. Like, I think all 10 of the games on my list, almost all of them were either announced that year or just kind of came out of nowhere and surprised me. Like, I never thought that I would have Monster Hunter World as, like, number two on my list. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there will be pleasant surprises. God, I hope there will be pleasant surprises. And lots of interesting stuff happening and games kind of coming out of nowhere, storylines developing, and who even knows what's gonna we're going to be talking about at the end of December 2019, assuming we're all still here. Yeah, I mean, like, heck, never mind December could be three months from now we're talking about some crazy thing that came from an indie developer (laughs) okay that was our 2019 preview for all of the biggest RPGs of 2019. Did we miss something? We probably did. We didn't talk about mm. the Tales of Vesperia port that's coming out on Switch really soon, Nadia. Oh, yeah, there's that. Um, there's also Dragon Quest Builders 2, which is hopefully coming this year. Yes. If you want to call us out... Okay, don't call us out. But if you want to <laughs> highlight an RPG that we missed um, and talk a little bit about it, um, either send me an email at cat.bailey at usgamer.net, send me a DM on Twitter. I'm on the underscore catbot. Or leave a comment on our show notes, and we will probably read it on the show. In the meantime, uh, we're gonna revi- we're gonna restart the top twenty-five RPG countdown again next week, Nadia. It's very exciting. 
Yeah, we're, we're truly back to work. We are back to work. There are a couple of things that you can look forward to uh, as we continue through. It's actually going to be a very busy month for us, Nadia. Mm -hmm. One of them is we're going to be redoing the site. Yes. A huge, huge redesign coming up fast. Uh, January uh, 16th is the targeted launch date. So, yeah, look forward to that. And at the same time, we're going to be launching an Acts of the Blood God newsletter. So if uh, if the podcast isn't enough for you, you should subscribe and you'll get like a nice little mini essay. You'll get a nice little roundup of all of the biggest RPG news for the for the week and, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So you can stay abreast of all of the big RPG happenings that are happening and you can get a little extra dose of our personality, our lovely, lovely personalities. God, I haven't done, I, I used to do a newsletter for uh, when I was the guide to uh the Nintendo DS at about.com like to do one every week. So we'll have a sign up for that for you uh -huh. really soon. But in the meantime, Axe of Blood God is a US camera podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Follow us on social media. I'm at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford and all of our social media accounts are at US GamerNet. It's 2019 now. We got a lot more to talk about. It's going to be another very exciting year of RPGs and RPG coverage. Thank you for continuing to support us as we head into our fourth year of existence. But wow. until next week, as always, for Nadia and myself, I've been Kat Bailey. And until next time, happy adventuring. <laughs>